welcome back to the tactile world. This is a podcast that is about care work and the care industries, and there are many manifold forms. Um, we're talking to people who do work that um, involves um, care and time and attention, and that can be in a classical healthcare setting. It can be in a classroom. It could be um, in a social worker, caseworker's office, um, and it can be in many other ways. But Today we're going to be talking about some of the very serious issues that are uh, happening in um, senior care, and um, we have a really, uh, really knowledgeable and, and interesting guest today to sort of talk about like what her career has been like and some of the very serious issues that are involved. So we have with us today Monica Kick. I'm Monica Kick. I've been in. Um the medical field for in various positions for about eight years over the last decade or so um, from being a, a certified nurse's assistant to um, a certified medication aid um, and also in uh, I worked for a third-party insurance company which I'm not proud of and uh, I also worked in uh, the billing office as well at, at a couple of my positions one behavioral health position um, and then one at most of my work was in elder care, though. Really? So eight years. Um, that mm-hmm. that that probably felt like a long time. Um, it doesn't. It did. I'd still be doing it if 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 it was a different. If it was different, I'd still be doing the hands-on elder care work, definitely. Yeah, and, and some of the settings in which you worked, uh, there were some pretty bad conditions. So um, we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, but first, I just want to ask, like. Uh, where are you from? It, it doesn't necessarily mean like where you were born or whatever, right. but um, where are you, like, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? I am from uh, South Minneapolis, about um, a mile outside of Dead Center downtown. Um, went to public school. I was raised by uh, two moms in the 70s when that was. Oh my um, God. Well, now it's scary again, but it was scary then too, yeah. <laughs> I remember. So, I remember the right wing um, freaking out about uh, Heather. Heather has two moms. That uh, storybook, um, and it's like this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Heather has two moms. This is disgusting. <laughs> it it was that way, and uh, both of our families were pretty um, suburban and, and Republican. Our extended families, so yeah, no dad in the picture or anything. So uh, two moms, and their their joke was. Um, because kids would ask me, they don't know, you know, who's, who's the guy in the relationship? And they'd say, whoever's driving. So, um, <laughs> who are, who are leads when you're dancing? So, yeah. um, yeah, public school, never, college was not, um, on the radar at all for me because we didn't have money. We grew up in a cockroach ridden basement apartment. <laughs> so, um, I just kind of went on and, and, um, worked, you know, jobs that I could find, and uh, eventually moved to Colorado in my 30s, met my husband, and uh, we are out here in Nevada now, so. Yeah, so like when you were in your younger days, um, you said college wasn't on the table. Um, what were you envisioning your career being like? Um, I don't know. I guess I, I graduated high school with, um, you know, public school education. I... Uh, now that I look back, um, I, I definitely think I had some kind of learning uh, 
disorder or disability where I just wasn't like I was in special ed math, but right. advanced reading. <laughs> so um, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really in a place where I could choose. I felt like, so I kind of took things that came my way and I've worked a, a lot of different jobs. I worked at everything from a meat packing plant to it. I was a stripper when I was 20. I mean, I kind of did a little bit of everything. So I didn't really, I didn't have a, um, a plan or a goal because I just had to get out and survive, you know? Right. Yeah. So I mean, healthcare to me was like, a, Oh wow. You know, this is a whole field and it's professional. And, and I actually care about the people that I'm, you know, taking care of and it, making a difference in their lives. Like it's, it was my favorite feeling in the world. My favorite really. feeling in the world. That's a great way <laughs> to put it. Right. Yeah. The things these people would say to you, just the kindest, sweetest, like you're needed. They need you. And, and that feels so good. You know, yeah. did you feel that in your earlier jobs ever? I mean, in the various different kinds of jobs that you had, did you feel that kind of fulfillment or that kind of, um, feeling needed or um, that kind of uh, reward? Yeah, when I was a stripper, I did. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> right. um, you know, not really. I guess I, I worked at a restaurant and brewery in Minneapolis for about six years, and that it taught me to have a work ethic. And I, I don't use that term like um, a meritocracy work ethic, like mm. uh, I do the most, so I'm the most valuable. I just mean it. it taught me to think of my coworkers and to, you know, uh, how, just how things work in the world, as weird as that sounds. Um, but no, there's no, there's no comparison between being a cocktail waitress and helping someone with their most personal, intimate daily habits. You know, you're, mm. they're trusting you with their bodies and their lives. And that's, yeah, no, there's no feeling like that. I guess I wonder sometimes though, like somebody who's a bartender or a cocktail waitress or something, they actually do have people come to them and talk about their like deepest, darkest secrets and like, That's th true. and they do come to the bar with uh, a motivation of like wanting to open up. And I know that's not the same as taking care of someone in a senior care facility, but do you right. see any co continuity there? I guess. Yeah, I do. And, and I was also, I was an esthetician. I had my esthetician's license. Oh. That was a place where definitely people would come to you. And again, you're touching people, you're putting your hands mm. on people. Um, and that's really personal. Uh, that's, it's so personal, you know? And, and I, I did feel valued and people, you know, when they were done, oh my gosh, it was so great. And I look good and I feel good. And, and that was, um, really rewarding too. Yeah. What, so, uh, you had all these different jobs early in your career and then you came to the healthcare field. How did you, what kind of education or training did you have to do for that? Um, so I took, to become a certified nursing assistant, um, I had to take just a, a three-week um, kind of technical course, and then you have to pass uh, the state um, test for that, which I did. And then I got a job in a skilled nursing facility. That's one of the um, several, there. you know, there's a, a skilled nursing facility, assisted living facility, and different types of facilities that provide different levels of care. Um, so I was in a skilled nursing facility, which provides, uh, as the name says, skilled nursing. Um, so it's it, it, people that we had long-term care and short-term care there. Um, the rehab and, and therapy were provided as well. So, Was that more money than you'd made before? 
no. Oh my God, no. Um, I was working in um, like accounting, clerical accounting level office jobs, um, and that it it prov- it paid more than yeah. than that job. But I was trying to get my foot in the door with the medical industry, and really, when I got there, it was such like I just fell in love with it so much that it didn't really matter as much, you know. And I was in a position, my husband was working and I was working and my husband was doing, I mean, he'd been at his job for a really long time. So we didn't, it wasn't as crucial to have that, you know, every dollar, Mm. you know, watching every dollar that came in. So I was able to do that. And I was wanting to move, I guess the word would be up, but now in retrospect, I don't know that it's (laughs) up, but up to a clerical or billing position. Um, cause that was kind of my history. So I was okay with it and he was okay with it. Did it seem like there was a career ladder in this field where you could move up? Yes. Yes. And I actually, at the time wanted to be a nurse until I saw what nurses do and put up with. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I don't know that that's for me. <laughs> you know, you mean all the, wow. the physical elements of it, like the lifting and the, <laughs> And just the shit they have to take, you know, just the, the, from doctors and, and family members and, and, you know, the charge nurses were great and, and the nurses that I worked with were great, but just, um, the mental strain, I already have anxiety anyway, so I can't imagine (laughs) being, and, and the training for nursing is, is hard and it's expensive and it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I just don't think it would have been for me. Right. I think I would have cracked under the pressure. <laughs> well, here here on this podcast, we like to refer to MDs as minor deities. Um, and uh, they definitely act like it. Um, so I can't, I, I can't, I yeah. can't even imagine what it's like to work with physicians who just um, seem to have not ever gotten any like proper socialization in life. Um, I like, know. It's so weird. <laughs> One of them would march in and, and march down the hall to his his patients and he'd come out and bark an order at the charge nurse and leave. It was just, it was really weird. <laughs> so how long were you in that position? Um, I was in the CNA position there for probably seven months or so before I got um, kind of promoted. The gal at the front desk left. And I had had, um, I was going to have to have surgery for something completely unrelated to my job. Um, and I wasn't going to be able to work as a CNA anymore, um, due to my surgery. So they gave me the the front desk job. And so that's where I was for a few months until I moved into a billing position there. What's a billing position? So a billing position of the business office coordinator position, um, and, and you're handling, and this is another area of, of care that people don't think of as care because you're dealing with, you know, money and fur and, but it's, it, it was billing for services, um, for residents and handling their, their personal funds. So, um, that was, that was a lot. Um, this is one of the things that like we're so interested in with this project is like the things that people don't think of as being care per se, right. like 
um, like if you work at a call center for Verizon, like you have to deal with people's emotions and feelings and uh-huh. like money and like it's it's you have to be able to communicate and that's something that happens in billing and healthcare industries obviously as well. You might not think of it as being a care work in the same way as like a nurse or a teacher, but like it is, right? So what was your experience right. like in that job? Um, that was honestly more stressful and less rewarding. It paid more, but um, than than being a CNA uh, or working directly with patients, it was. Um, I, I don't know. I guess how do you how do you play bill collector and advocate? You know, how do you? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to how to say, well, you have to pay us this money. And I know your mom is on Medicaid, but, uh, oh, also like, we're so glad her, we're, she's here. Let me handle her funds. <laughs> like, it's, I don't know how to do that. That's, that's just not a skill that I have. I sure some people know how to do that, but. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I think the, <laughs> your question is very well framed. How can you play bill collector and advocate? Like, these things are kind of inherently contradictory. So even if you're wanting right. to help people, I mean, I guess you could try to help people figure out how to like work out a payment plan or something, but like, yes, still right. You're, it's kind of uh, inherently like antagonistic because yes. your job is to collect the payment. It's not to like help the person per se. Yeah. The, the guy, um, the last, I, I left that position and ultimately the company because someone threatened me because I was calling to make a payment or to set up a payment plan for his mom. And I don't know, maybe, maybe my feeling about it came through because I just personally, I've, (laughs) I've had my own um, issues with medical bills because I didn't make a lot of money and I had, you know, I broke my leg and I had stomach issues and, and I couldn't pay my medical bills. It's embarrassing and shameful, you know? So uh, it's also bullshit if you'll excuse me like why are we having to pay this why am i a waitress and i'm paying ten thousand dollars for ankle surgery after breaking my leg and helping my friends move i mean i I don't know so maybe that came through i just i wasn't terribly invested in it anyway because i don't believe in it (laughs) you know what i'm saying so the whole system well what came after that job um, so then I, I just worked in a, in a clerical job because I needed to, to find a job. So I, I worked just in an office job. Um, and then when we moved back to Minneapolis, um, I worked in a behavioral health um, office management position. A, a guy was opening. He already had one location, and he was opening a new behavioral health facility. So um, I worked in that. I don't know what to say about that. It was it, the strangest experience I've ever had, and I'm no stranger to behavioral health. But well, why was it so yeah. strange? Um, I, I think that it, the owner was. Um, I think he was uh, coming from a good place. I think he was skilled, educated, and and um, I just don't think he knew how to. how to put people at ease as far as billing again, I was in billing. Um, and, and because I was where I found a job and I don't have a college degree. So, um, 
I, I just think that he, uh, he would say things like, I'd say our billing system is completely jacked up. It's completely messed up. People are worried. People are freaking out. I mean, these people are already there for therapy or for whatever, you know, yeah. they're, they don't need this kind of hassle. And he said, well, he's, his words were me to me were, um, once for, forget about what's right and wrong. It, it'll get fixed when it gets fixed. And I had to somehow relay that to these people. That's yeah. yeah. It, it, I just, I can't. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, when somebody's coming to see a psychiatrist or a therapist, they're already in a, like, usually in, like, not a great state, and yet they have to deal with all these other, like, you know, yes, problems of billing and money, but, like, also just the fact that the, the doctors are not, I mean, they didn't Financial take... care is care. It's health, you know, in, in healthcare, finance, finance is part of that. I mean, people right. kill themselves over money problems for crying out loud. So oh, I know. I don't know. I just, no, and I'm not saying anybody did there. I'm just saying sure. it's, it's a, <laughs> God forbid. Yeah. It's a, it's a problem. I was wondering, uh, when did you get to Mesa Valley estates? Um, so I started there. I just worked there for a, a few months, um, last year in, uh, uh, September, early September as a medication aid. And, uh, what, what was, what was it like to work there? Um, again, the, the residents just, I love them and I love taking care of them. I, I come home and tell my husband, like, I'm so fulfilled. I want to do this forever. I was even like, you know, maybe I was, I, I'm ready to, to go take, be a nurse. Maybe I'm, ready to go do that training now and, and take this on and we're a little more settled, but, um, it was hell. It was hell. We, every day I would get t multiple texts because people just didn't show up for work or, or called in sick or we were understaffed or they would purposely just schedule whoever and, and, and not enough people. And, uh, hope that they could just call somebody in. So I was already working at, at that job more than I, I more hours than I wanted to, than I was physically able to. I'm not a spring chick and I've got my own health issues too. Um, and it was, uh, it was tough there. It was tough there. At what time did you start this job? Was it during the pandemic? No. Uh, well, it was, it was September, 2021. Okay, so, so yeah. it was, and people got COVID, and we were on lockdown for a good portion of when I worked there. Meaning lockdown, meaning you have to come in. Um, can you hear me? I'm still here. Yep. Okay, good. Uh, we'd have to come in and you know get get briefed and get our temperature taken and don all the PPE stuff and um, yeah, it was it was crazy. Residents were going crazy because they couldn't go anywhere they couldn't leave they had to sit in their rooms and that was terrible too but that wasn't the worst part of it like so you go entertain residents it's kind of fun <laughs> what was the worst part of it well so uh they had a uh the, the main floor out there and then they had a, a secure unit for memory care mm -hmm. um 
And again, we were always, and, and we were told not to say the word understaffed. So we always had huh. the uh, state required minimum. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh-huh. Um, because you can't control, that's a variable you can't control. And people, it's a low paying, really low paying job that, you know, people aren't going to, they're just going to call in if they, if they can't come in and it's high stress. Um, I just don't feel like we were trained or had the, the proper um, leadership there. You were told not to say the word understaffed. Yes. Don't, don't, we're not, we're never understaffed. Don't say understaffed because uh, we schedule the state requirement for staff. So everything's all good then. And yeah. Everything's all good. (laughs) So it's, it's fine because they scheduled it. See, (laughs) everything's all good because uh, we say it's good. Right. Right. And they had, so here was the worst, here was the worst part of it. The, and then I'll tell you something else. Um, the, the owner, uh, has a, a business, a side gig. He has a pilot's license and he takes elderly folks and puts them in this cool old plane and takes them up and flies them around. And the building was just plastered with these, these, pictures of him and how you know him and and look at me and the old folks getting in the plane and we're there making you know 11 12 13 bucks an hour busting our asses un- completely understaffed i mean sometimes we'd have one medication aid for the entire building i mean it was really it was just insulting it felt like you know it was like that's what you care about and that that's that's not just this facility that was in the place I worked in Colorado too, they had these expensive, gorgeous rock statues brought in. They're classy. And we were making, you know, peanuts. So do you think that he was charging those, um, elderly clients for those plane rides? I don't know if he was charging them for the plane rides. I know that we have, um, uh, residents there, that were referred to as the founders. I've been wanting to talk about the founders. Yeah. Can you tell us about the founders? So this guy had his own, um, had a, was part of a company, um, before, and it was in Oregon. Uh, and he now owns these facilities in Nevada. Um, I don't know how this happened or how this came to be, but, a lot of these residents were called founders because they had put their own funds Mm -hmm. from my understanding. Okay. They'd put their own funds in to build the facilities or invest in the facilities. Uh, I have no idea how that comes back or if it comes back to them, I, I, I would imagine they're not just giving their money away, but I don't, I don't know anything about, uh, financial stuff. So, I don't know if it was an investment with returns or if it was just give me a really good room or I don't know how that works, but they were the founders. Yeah. I, because, I'm wondering about that because, um, it sounds like a, 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 a Ponzi scheme. It sounds like a, um, <laughs> a, a cryptocurrency thing where it's like, Oh, let's get a old, you know, 78 year old Dave Allison. He's a founder and we're building the same facility that he lives in. And he's, he's on the, 
bottom he's on the ground floor of this big thing um is is that what they got in trouble with with the sec um i'm not sure if that's exactly what they got in trouble for but um i know there was uh i i found so after i left i was just so incensed with this place and i did a little digging about the owner i'm like well first of all i wrote him a he was nuts. I wrote him like a three page and all of the executives a proposal, a business proposal, basically, of why it makes sense to pay a livable wage to staff. And uh, no response, of course. So I started just looking into him, and uh, he'd been named as a co uh, defendant on a lawsuit against them for, I don't know misappropriation of government funds is what my understanding is um and he was i don't think he was punished but his his business partner or his his co-investment person i don't know how that stuff works um went did time he was convicted this is this is john harder right yes john harder uh was convicted and um he was pardoned by Trump. His sentence was commuted before Trump left office because those guys stick together. I mean, I, I have to say, like, you know, say what you will about our former president. Um, he he has a type. Somebody who defrauds the federal government with, totally ha- with federal type. housing funds, um, who's a real estate jerk. Um, he's like, that's my kind of guy. I love him. Like, got to get him out of jail. So John Harder was convicted for misspending federal housing funds on these retirement communities, right? Like, um, mm-hmm, do you, mm-hmm. do you know any? I mean, yeah. like, do you understand don't, why that happened? I don't know if they were funds from the government or funds from investors or both that he misappropriated. I I believe it's uh, government funds that he received is in reading that lawsuit, I'm not sure if you were able to glean anything from that. Oh yeah. Thank you for sending me those uh, SEC filings because those are very useful. And very right. Helpful. Um, it does seem like, you know, I don't know exactly what happened, but it does seem like when right. COVID hit, there was just kind of like Buku's bonanza, like the federal government's just handing out small business loans to all these companies and be like, Hey, the P- PPP things and all that. And like, yeah, some of it will get used the right way and some of it won't. And, um, you know, we'll just throw money at this problem. And then, right. um, the, you obviously right. have some like, right. uh, people. And who this are... was before that though, I think. Oh, it was before. Yeah. Oh, Oh, okay. I, th- I think it, well, it, it was in 2009. So yes, duh, it was before it. Uh, he, yeah, this oh. was, this was oh. way back and it oh. was, a the sun West or I think was the name of the, their company. Then he, you know they have twenty five companies. It was DBA, some very DBA, anno- LLC. It was some very annoying name like Sun West or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right, right. Just like like what yeah. you like if you asked an artificial intelligence program to like give you the name of a shell company in Arizona, they'd be like Sun West. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> totally, we'll do that. Don't take that. So, how did your how did your time working there end? Um, <laughs> I just could 
couldn't do it anymore. Um, I was exhausted. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there was also, um, basically any warm body will do there. Okay. So if you pass a background check and you pass a criminal check and, um, so there was a, a sexual harassment, um, accusation going on that was being investigated. I wasn't involved in it, but the, the accuser had said something very strange to me or the, the accused had said something strange to me. And I, um, reported it and they, they decided to keep him and just put him on a different shift so they could watch him more. (laughs) I, I said, you know what? I'm done. I've had it. I, I don't need to work around this. This is insanity. Um, every day I, my heart skips a beat because I'm just so stressed out. And, uh, so I just, I left, I made sure my residents were taken care of. There was another, the other aide came on and the other med tech came on and I said, uh, I'm leaving my keys. I'm leaving my badge and I'm going to talk to management. And I did, and I was done. So, uh, one, one of the other deciding factors for me was, um, there were a lot of people, on hospice there, okay, in the um, memory care unit. And hospice means um, that you're actively, or, or you're 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 no longer, um, you're probably not a, a, you probably are a DNR. You're not actively dying necessarily, but you're you know don't you're don't have much time left. Um, and one gal was was actively dying. Um, one resident and we called hospice and she said, we said, well, we're not sure what to do. We're, I'm a medication aide, you know, and I've got a, 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 a aide with me and we're not trained to you know, <laughs> just somebody when they're dying. And we called hospice and said, uh, well, sh- what are we, what should we do? Like she's, she, we can't move her off the couch. Right. <clears throat> And they said, well, she's, she's on hospice. She's actively dying. That's what happens. Like that's, that's what she's doing. So, you know, let us know tomorrow or whatever. I'm like, so just keep her comfortable. So I'm giving her, you know, some pretty heavy narcotics that she's, she was prescribed and she passed away after I left on the sofa because we couldn't physically move her. Always. I mean, that's, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right to me. It, it, it's, it haunted me. Could we have done more? Is there something else we should have been doing? What is your feeling uh, about hospice care? Like, is, is, do you think it's a good Um, um, system or do you think there are problems with it? Uh, so hospice care I think is wonderful. And I think my grandpa's on hospice care right now. I think hospice is wonderful in principle, but I mean, I feel like they use it as a, I mean, obviously the more, okay. You have the, the, probably the lowest is just a, a kind of a facility is the, um, where they just come and go independent living. Right. And mm-hmm. they maybe have a shuttle that takes the folks to the grocery store or whatever. And then the highest level of care is, you know, where they have 24 seven nursing. Mm-hmm where we were had um, hospice coming in daily, but 
than us, just unskilled us. And I feel like when somebody's actively dying, I realize that if they go to the emergency room, they're no longer on hospice. And that means that it's more paperwork and funds and blah, 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 and assessments again. But I don't feel like the answer to that is let unskilled people uh, take somebody through the death process. Does that make sense? Well, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's the whole concept of like a death, of like a death doula, right? That, um, there's people who are specially trained to like guide someone through to the other side of the Stargate. Um, and like, that's not something that somebody being paid $11 an hour should be like expected to do. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Yeah, it, it just and, and hospice. I mean, there was probably one woman there at night when we called at the at, at hospice. And what's she gonna do for me? I mean, she, she has to stay there and man the phones. I just feel like everything is understaffed. Everything is the lowest possible level of care that people can get by with, and it's just a money making. I said to my doctor what I was doing, and she goes, "Oh." I said, I, I left, and she goes, oh, they're all just money-making schemes. My doctor, my nurse practitioner, is <laughs> telling me they're all just money-making schemes. I mean, they are, though, it seems like to me. Yeah. I don't I don't know that. I'm not saying that factually or legally. I'm just saying my opinion. Well, I mean, know? they are, it, like, literally for-profit companies for the most part. Or, like, I mean, I, I guess a right. lot of hospitals or insurance companies are not technically for-profit, but... Um, Oh, I worked for an insurance company there. It's for profit. In fact, I was told by my boss, uh, I said, well, how, when are we going to pay this? How does this work? And he said, well, we're a third, he said this to me, we're a third party insurance company, which means we manage other people's insurance plans. And he said, uh, our job is to deny claims. (laughs) I was like, yeah, wow. I mean, why would, I mean, like, that's the whole point. That's exactly, that is the point. So people have to reapply and reapply and re, yeah, it's, it's bananas. It's old fashioned bananas. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, just this idea that um, in the beginning of the pandemic, like all these hospitals had been trying to keep their margins so low that they're like, well, we don't, we want to, we don't want to have empty beds in a hospital. We want to like max, we don't want to have beds sitting open. Then when the COVID pandemic starts, it's like, well, now we've got 30,000 people who need to be in here. And it's like, well, yeah, if you're going to be operating a for-profit business, you want to keep your margins as tight as possible. Yes. But like, you don't foresee something like a, a black swan event, like a huge like flu pandemic like coming. And once it hit, right. it was like, oh, shit, we don't have enough beds. Like In yes. New York City, they were putting COVID patients in Central Park on beds. Because they weren't no. enough. Right? You know, like. Well, and it's it's like yeah, they want to. It just always seems like when it's time when it's time to okay, you pay in these premiums, paying these premiums, you know, pay these high costs of medical care, and then when it's time to go get taken care of, let's say you need surgery or get sick or whatever, they're always giving you the shaft and always giving you the runaround, and that's what we were trained to do. That was our job. That's that was my job. job was to give somebody the round who was sick. It just, I know. So wrong. I know. And it must, how do you, how do you carry that with you now? Like, I mean, like you've been in jobs where you were doing things that you probably didn't necessarily like feel that great about. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, how does that live with you now? I mean, you shouldn't feel bad. Like it was your job. You were doing what you were supposed to do, but like, right. I mean, I, of course there's always a part of me that's like, well, I mean, I, 
I too, I don't have a college education. I don't have, you know, and I don't have the means to maybe even to get one. I, I had to take what I had to take. And um, I guess I don't know if I feel just not good. I mean, it's not a good feeling. I'd much rather be helping, you know, people go to bed and helping people, you know, eat and giving them their medications and talking to them and listening to them. And um, I'd still be doing it. Every time I go put makeup on in the bathroom or something, I think about when I was going to work, when I was doing this a year ago, going to work. And I loved being at that job, except for <laughs> the actual job part. Um, I know it just, it, 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 it's such a, a mirror image of like what you were talking about earlier about like how good it felt to help people. Like yeah. that, that was so uh, spiritually rewarding and valuable. Yes. But then like yeah. the other, the opposite of that is like being on the phone trying to get people to pay medical bills. It's like, <gasps> like they're so opposite. Yeah. Like that's not what yeah. you wanted to do, right? Like, <laughs> right. You, no, you wanted to help no, people because no. there's a natural human feeling of just like wanting to help people, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, I mean, there weren't a ton of choices out there for, right. for what I could do. Um, and so that was just kind of like, wow, this, you know, this is great. And I'm in the medical industry. Like that's a booming industry, but it's booming. Why is it booming? Why is it a booming business? That's... Why is it booming? <laughs> why is, why is medical care a booming business? Should yeah. it be? That's just, yeah. Why is medical billing a booming business? Cause it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, and it's it's hellacious. It's yeah. I took a um a medical billing course, and my brain just first of all doesn't work like that. I found out, much to my poor husband's dismay, because I'm like, I'm not gonna be a medical biller. But it just my my brain just doesn't work like that, and I don't know. It's so it's so confusing, and I I had to wonder the whole time. I was like. This is supposed to be confusing. This is supposed to be, you know, a, a, a pain and, and, you know, make people just go, ah, screw it. I don't need to understand it because how can you understand it? Right. Yeah, it's a system that's designed to make people give up. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Perfectly said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what have you been doing since you left your last uh, nursing position or medica medication aid position? Well, um... I have been doing some sewing. I um, my grandma taught me how to sew when I was younger. Oh, I spent wonderful. a lot of time with her, and um, so I've been making uh, vegan handbags. Haven't sold a one, but you know I give them to my. And actually, I'm making um, bags, specialty bags for differently abled and elderly people with like walkers. So they go over like the walker handle, and then they have a handle on them, and they're pretty and designery. So. I've been sending them to my mother-in-law <laughs> because, because I, I guess if I can't sell one, I'll just give them away. But uh, ultimately, the the goal would be to you know make a few dollars doing that and have my own little thing, and that way I could still see elderly people and oh. hang out with the olds. <laughs> the olds. Just one final question uh, that I've asked a lot of people when I'm talking about this. I'm very interested in the way that people think about time uh, when they're doing care work. Like, like some like if you work in a telemetry unit in a hospital, like you might be watching screens or 
nothing might happen for hours and then something really important happens or in an ICU or maybe if you're in a nursing home or an elderly residential facility, like things are happening all the time. And I'm just like curious as to like what your experience of time during work was. Like, were you busy all the time? Were you, were there long stretches of boredom and then like lots of stuff to do? Like, what was your experience of that like? Maybe being a medication aide, like you were always like busy doing things, but um, I'm just wondering. Yeah, that's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. And I think it depends on what position you're doing. So as a um, working in, say the the third party healthcare biller there, um, I was, the last year or so, I literally all I did was click a mouse because they were just trying to find busy work. So they're paying me benefits and salary to to do busy work. Um, so you watch the clock. Uh, as a, a med tech or a CNA hands on, you I didn't take breaks because I didn't have time for breaks. Mm. Hard, many people didn't take breaks, or they'd clock out and work and then clock back in because you'd get in trouble for um, not taking a break. Right. Uh, all right. Yeah. So actually, and when I left, um, I noticed that my breaks were taken out, were taken out. Of your, I didn't of your punch pay? out for them. So I contacted uh, HR and at the facility. Okay. And she said, well, I said, did you guys take out for my breaks? And she said, yes. And I said, I didn't take breaks though. And she said, well, um, you're required to by OSHA. I said, okay, I didn't take breaks. I said, then you need to take that up with your employees. Not, not me right now. You're, yeah. So they clock people out for their breaks, whether people take breaks or not. So this is, just, a, this is a massive campaign of wage theft, basically. Completely. So I called HR then. And she said, well, you're going to have to take it up with the home office HR, which I did. And she said, oh, okay, we'll put it right back in. So I told coworkers there, because I was trying to get people to unionize. I'm like, can we unionize? Like anyone, they can't. I mean, they're they're just trying to make enough to feed their kids. So and, it's any oh, so time time. Um, yeah, it was it was busy. Well, I mean, but beginning like, to end. I'm so glad you mentioned the concept of wage stuff with time because that's like, I mean, in some ways, the essence of the work is the time and the attention. And if they're like deducting you for breaks that you're not taking, like right. they're robbing you, they're stealing. It's yes. called theft. That's what yes. it is. And they're doing yes. it to so many people, and they make it so complicated that it's like, well, it'd just be too difficult to like, like. You're even... written up. You're written up. The only reason they didn't do anything to me is because I was I was gone. There was nothing they could do. They couldn't write me up. I quit. So <laughs> you can't write <laughs> me up. I quit. Exactly. It sounds like a line from a movie. Um, Yeah. And they also, um, when people would leave or or just say I quit because it happens a lot, they would do everything they could to get, either get them to sign something saying Mm -hmm. that they weren't going to say anything negative. That happened a lot. In fact, I know a girl still that it happened to. Are they asking people to sign NDAs? Like... Uh, I don't know if that's what it is. I okay. wish I could get my hands on one. Okay. Um, but yeah, they would ask people to sign something uh, to not that they wouldn't say anything bad or 
or whatever. I mean, there's so much more there. It's I, I'm just I'm just nervous talking about it for the first time, so I probably skipped over everything. But yeah. Well, I think we've covered a lot, um, and yeah. you know, I this whole charging you for breaks that you're not taking thing is. Nuts. I imagine that's endemic. I imagine that's happening across happens the, everywhere. The senior care totally. industry, healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. Like yep. well, there's this law that says that you have to take breaks. So right. we're going to deduct your paycheck for the breaks that you're not taking. But if you take a break, then that pits <laughs> you against other workers because other workers who don't take breaks are like, Well, I didn't take a break. How come she gets how come she's taking a break? I guess she doesn't care as much. Is and it's I don't blame the workers, I blame the the management the the culture of course you know? of course it's not the workers fault um Mm-mm. i want to ask one last question and this is a subject that comes up a lot in like the history of in, in sociology of of healthcare industry which is the concept of the prisoner of love um which is that you know if you're a nurse or a social worker or a teacher or you know whatever it might be um you don't want to leave the job because you care about the people that you're caring for. And, and you can even be paid less because you're like, because caring about the people and taking care of them is so important to you. It, it is a benefit. Benefit's not the right word, but like it's meaningful. And so people yes. are reluctant to leave jobs, even if they're like a home health aide that gets paid like $10 an hour, they don't want right. to leave their client or patient behind. They don't want to walk away and I wonder how that might have affected your experience or your career. That's such a good way to put it. Prisoner of love because, I mean, all of us were there because we cared about these people, you know? It was, and, and well, most of us. And, and it was rewarding and, and you don't want to leave and you feel guilty. I still think about the residents there and wonder how they are all the time. Um yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I don't know. I I think that's that's so accurate, and it's the very essence of the job. I mean, you can go work at a gas station. You can go work. I mean, if you're unskilled, you can go work at a factory. You can, but this gives you a feeling. This this it's a benefit, and they know it's a benefit. And they though. know they it. They know it's a benefit. They know it is because they gave. These, they gave workers there. Well, you have a. We'll give you a fifty dollar um, per resident account, a one time account uh, credit, so you can go buy things for the residents. Because we know re- employees like to buy things for residents with their own money, so we're going to give you fifty dollars as a one time. I mean, it just that is the, the craziest thing I've ever heard. Like, I mean, it makes yeah. perfect sense. Because it's a t- perfect psychological manipulation tactic, but like yes, wow, it's a it's a um it it was I would say I don't know if you've ever seen the the documentary the corporation, um and it it talks about how corporate environments are um psychological per- like personality disorders basically <laughs> there if it was a person and another person it would be an abusive relationship and i i and gaslighting and you know like all of it and it's it's really true every corporation you have to take a break every, you have to take a break osha requires it we're protecting you but don't take a break every corporation so. has borderline personality disorder yes yeah. totally. oh that's perfect totally
that's yeah. such a that's such yeah. a perfect place to leave it. Um, I'm fascinated by this fifty dollar account thing. That's really yeah. interesting. Um, it's crazy. Well, um, we've had on the show today Monica Kick, who uh, has had a really interesting and varied career and has brought to light a lot of things that are very troubling and very dysfunctional about the way that we deal with healthcare in general, but particularly senior care. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for like taking the time to have this conversation. I feel like we could, I feel like we could talk for like hours more. I know. Um, but, I know. <laughs> to, just thank to keep you, Alex, this, for caring about this. Well, yeah, to keep it manageable, we'll, we'll leave it here, but yeah, like, I mean, you did the work and you, you did, you did the time. Um, I did the time. And it's I still did. in your heart. And like I do it, it I'd do it again yeah. if it wasn't, if it was just a little bit better. Just a little bit better, I'd do it again. And I think this speaks to a bigger trend of like people leaving the healthcare industry who are just like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Right. I'm done. Right. Yeah. And that's in hospitals. That's in senior care, memory yes. care. But, you know, you're, you're not alone in that for sure. Uh, and at some point we have to actually deal with the, the, the reality of the situation and change things. So mm-hmm. I hope that this conversation can be useful for anyone who's interested in the subject and um, Me too. can learn. So we got to come together. Healthcare workers have to come together on this stuff and God, I wish we could have unionized. That was my, my great grandfather was a, the head of the union at the John Deere factory mm-hmm. in Charles city, Iowa. So it's in my, DNA to do that, but it's in my DNA was, too. My my folks are union folks. Yeah, my granddad, my mom, my stepdad. Um, so yeah, I'm hardcore cool. union through and through, and I really uh, admire and respect you for trying to get people to organize. I know it's hard because people are scared. Um, yes, they don't want to lose their job. Like this right. is their little like just barely holding on like toehold. Yes, um, but don't ask me to put that at risk. I already my life is a, a risk as it is. Don't ask me to do that. I get it. I totally get, I it, get too. it. But we will yep. unionize. Um, yes, hopefully in the long run. Um, yes, I'm gonna wrap it up here. Thank you, Monica, okay. so much. Uh, really, thanks, like, Alex. This has been so Thanks, Alex. Yes, indeed. Take care.